This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 136. Well, we're short hammy tonight. He's doing some business stuff. He's He may join us later, but uh, we've got Vigo as always, and uh, we've got a special guest just like last year when we played North Dakota. We've got Brad Schlossman on from the Grand Forks Herald. Brad, how you doing? Doing fantastic. I'm in Vegas, so oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. Viggs, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to uh, get some Gopher uh, college hockey action back oh, on the agenda. Boy. It's you know, it, it has been a weird October. We've been off for a couple of weeks <laughs> here, Brad, because we have nothing yeah. to talk about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is weird. I mean, when you you start off with a series against against Duluth, which is great, um, and then two weeks of single games against uh, exhibition games that just mean nothing in the long run. So it's, it, it's tough. I mean, and now we have, you know, it's great that we're playing North Dakota again, but again, it's only another one game series. So for Minnesota, it's, it's just a weird October. Huh, Viggs? Yeah. And this is just kind of the schedule that the coaching staff was left with when they took over, um, you know, scheduling in college hockey is getting more and more difficult. It seems like, and Minnesota wasn't able to, you know, get games on the schedule, and they were lucky to get the Trinity Western and um, development team on the schedule as is. You know, when they took over, you know, these were just two bye weeks. (laughs) Um, So it was good that, you know, they were actually able to get something on the calendar because Moscow was talking about how, you know, the week ahead of the uh, Trinity Western game, you know, it was hard to get the guys' attention and, uh, you know, not much to play for. And then on Monday, you know, when they're playing the green team, from uh, North Dakota, everybody's ears perked up. <laughs> I bet they did. But, you know, Brad, you know, North Dakota is kind of similar. You guys have two exhibition games this year as well, don't you? Yeah, um, but, you know, they had an exhibition game and then they got into the season. That, yeah, that's I remember, uh, That's kind of more routine because, of course, everyone loves the first exhibition game because it's your first <laughs> chance. Yeah to see everyone together and you, you've never seen the freshmen and then all of a sudden you get into the season there there was one year where north dakota did exhibition one week exhibition the next and then got in and that was like okay first exhibition's great we got to see him and then the second one's like oh yeah <laughs> we're still not in regular season action so um i know exactly what that's like for that second exhibition game you're like okay let's just see some real action here yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, you know, Minnesota this year, and like you said, Viggs, it, it was kind of something a little bit out of the control. They got lucky that they could squeeze a Trinity in there. And, you know, at least Minnesota did have some good success in these two exhibition games. They played pretty well against both teams. Do you have any thoughts on those two exhibitions that you know about? Uh, I just wouldn't expect to see them score seven goals on Saturday. <laughs> you know, they've, they've shown off some offense the last couple of games. You know, one of them is against the Duluth in there. Um, and that's nice to see, you know, after last year where offense was such a struggle for this team to generate. 
Um, I think, you know, they're getting the freshmen going. They rested some of the upperclassmen as the games went on. Um, it's good to see McLaughlin uh, healthy and skating. Um, you know, he suffered that lower body injury on the first day of practice and just, you know, fell behind. You know, he looked pretty good in the last game. And what I've seen in practice, you know, he looks like he's got pretty good jump. And, you know, his vision and hands and playmaking is really his strength. It's not so much speed. I think if you had someone like Walker who picked up a lower body injury, it impact his game a little bit more. Um, but it'll be interesting. They've got some depth now to work with as they get into the season. Now you look on the opposite end, and, and in Grand Forks, you guys had uh, Minnesota State come up and play you last weekend. Tell us about that, Brad. Yeah. Um, offense uh, was not uh, a problem for either team in that game. It was, it's been a weird season because the – the first weekend, North Dakota goes and plays Bemidji State and scores two goals. <laughs> and the, the biggest question mark before the season was probably offense. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this, is, this could be a real issue. And then they play Minnesota State and score eight goals on the weekend. And, and, and it was the defense that was – they gave up ten. The previous weekend they gave up only three. Now they give up ten. So it, it's almost like it's still too early in the season to know exactly what North Dakota is is at this point i think oh boy but it didn't take much for the fans i mean it, as typical wow. every year if, if boy if north dakota's not winning every single game early in the year it's always fire the coach it happens every single year i mean you typically north dakota starts a little slow not always but it's pretty typical and then they just get better and better and better and you know you see a lot of fans just wanting to jump off a cliff almost every october <laughs> yeah it's it's something i you know it seems that uh, uh some of the fans don't learn that very quickly <laughs> um i i think sometimes at big programs and i i'm sure in minnesota too so you know just some of the overreactions that go on uh, based on one game but um i i just think it's way too early to know what this team is and on top of that i, I think it's a team that probably would start slow uh, they've got they've got a lot of uh, new pieces up front, um, moving into some guys into new roles, and they're a team that's going to rely on their rookies to score a little bit. And those type of teams usually start a little bit slower than others. So uh, I'm not terribly shocked by it. Um, and uh, playing Minnesota State's a really good team. Now they play Minnesota. Then they play Wisconsin. So it, it's uh, not an easy start to the schedule. A lot of good rivals. Well, Go ahead, Vince. One of the things I wanted to ask Brad about was the – penalty kill for North Dakota yeah. you know one of their calling cards is a hyper aggressive penalty kill unit you know usually when teams are coming through the neutral zone you know they get choked off pretty quick and even on the dump ins they get beat to pucks you know the Mavericks got four power play goals last weekend what, what are you seeing with that unit and you know is it just a lot of new guys that they're trying to get into that special teams I actually think like you said they were really good in the neutral zone. Once they got that first clear, they did a really good job um, keeping the Mavericks from setting up again. Um, they, they bottle them up at the line. Um, they retrieve pucks really well. A lot of their goals came off of initial face-off wins. Um, offhand, I, I know for sure two of them were, uh, they won the initial draw and they scored um, without getting a clear. Uh, another one was a five-minute power play, and they got one. Um, you know, so 
I think that's been the key. Uh, North Dakota is a very good face-off team, uh, has been for the last several years, and so it's it's not usual for them to lose a bunch of draws, and they really didn't, but they lost some key ones, and I think that initial face-off win on the power play is, is a huge thing for them. Yeah, when uh, we asked Motsko about kind of the scouting report for North Dakota, he was saying when he was watching film, you know, you'd notice things that happened in the game, and he'd kind of dismiss it as, well, it's pretty early in the season. They'll get that fixed up by the time they play us. And I just kind of wonder if that's the part of the problems with them on the face-off intensity, um, you know, forwards kind of sagging back to the net and not keeping their heads on swivels. Because I know that that penalty kill has always been uh, a challenge for Minnesota to play against because, you know, yeah. Minnesota's used to the big ice and all the extra space, and then you play North Dakota, and it feels like there's no space coming up the ice. Yeah, I, I think if you um, – I would have to research this, but I want to say that last year their penalty kill really struggled for the first month, month plus of the season. And then after that, they really got dialed in on that. Um, you know, that would be something I'd have to go back and look. But uh, certainly one of their biggest strengths is how they play in the neutral zone. Uh, if they get that first clear, they've been really good. Um, what they need to improve on – is defending once the other team has got it all set up. Great stuff there. <laughs> I just like listening to you two talk uh, X's and O's there. Um, one thing, Brad, that uh, you've been doing the past, well, for a long time, is uh, following the development of the NCHC. Gosh, I'm having a hard time talking tonight. And you, did, you just recently did a multi-part series about the formation of this whole thing. Um, tell some of us, our, our, our listeners, you know, kind of how that all came together and how it all uh, came about for you. Yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, since it's it, it's had five years under its belt now, um, basically all the athletic directors have retired. I, I think Trev Alberts is the only one still at his school. They've either retired or moved on. Yeah. And so I kind of thought, you know, now that they're gone, they might speak a little more openly about what was going on behind the scenes. That's kind of been the genius of ESPN's 30 for 30s. Yeah, Once yeah. you get beyond that initial stage, people are more willing to go back and tell you what was really happening. And I thought, let's give it a try. And uh, the 80s were fantastic in um, telling me everything that happened. And uh, basically, um, not basically, everything I wrote about, I had multiple people telling me the same thing. Uh, if I only had one person telling me something, I didn't go with it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of the same things. So it was just interesting how um, what I found the most interesting was how far back the initial conversations went. Um, the, the very first meeting was actually two weeks before the Big Ten was announced. Clearly, by that point, they knew the Big Ten. Everyone knew the Big Ten yeah. was happening yeah. At, yeah. That, by that point. And there were there was significant concern, and, and Miami and Denver were the first two teams to talk about it. Um, they brought in North Dakota and Notre Dame, and that was the first talk. They, they really kind of just threw things out of the wall. Um, nothing was really decided. They just kind of went from there. Inform, you know, they they met in person, and then of course uh, the other interesting thing was what happened at the meetings. Uh, down in Florida, where they were pretty contentious, um, <laughs> to say the yeah. least. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there was a lot of cursing at each other. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, and at the end, uh, I think that 
you know, basically from what I was told, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Before then, they had had a meeting, but once they went in there, there was still a chance to save um, what had been the setup of the WCHA, and it, you know, it just totally dissolved. I, I think um, one of the ADs said um, by pushing at that meeting, all the dysfunction in the league came out. Oh. And that was it. And then uh, after that, they went and started planning it. And that was what, end of April. And by July, it was a done deal. So um, that's kind of how it came together. And um, uh, it, obviously, it was a response to, to the Big Ten. That was a, a significant concern and something they brought up at, at these meetings. Um, they knew that the Big Ten was going to be proactive in the way it sold its product. It had a big name behind it. It had big schools behind it. And um, <clears throat> there was really two factions in the WCHA. There were the big schools and the smaller schools. And what I have been told many times is that oftentimes the big schools voted to spend more money and do more things. And the small schools were, um, you know, for understandable reasons from their perspective, they needed to save money. And with Minnesota and Wisconsin pulling out of the league, all of a sudden the power shifted to the smaller schools. And it wasn't said outright, but one of the ADs told me it was insinuated by some of the smaller schools that, hey, maybe it's not so bad that we lost Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, (laughs) And some of the uh, other ADs were saying, no, this is really, really bad. We need to do something about this. Um, and, and, you know, I think someone said, Bruce McLeod said, you know, you know, we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find ways to recover the revenue. And Brian Faison stood up and said, how? <laughs> Cause I don't see it. Mm. Um, and you know, so there, there was a, a lot of contentious moments and, um, all of a sudden there we have it, uh, NCHC is born out of that. Well, it's a I thought one of the interesting oh, things that came out of that was that Notre Dame was so involved right from the beginning. Yes. How, how close do you think they were to actually joining the NCHC? Because they ended up in Hockey East, which was not a good place for them. Yeah, that, that was really interesting. And how involved not only they were from the beginning, but all the way till the end. Uh, they were at every one of those meetings, all the way until when even when they signed their letters of agreement, Notre Dame was there. There. So um, they were there, but they never really got over the Notre Dame wanted to control the TV deal in the league. Um, the NCHC schools didn't want to. Uh, multiple ADs told me that <clears throat> the big thing was at this at that time, there was a fracture in college football conferences. The Big 12 especially, there was a lot of heat over the Longhorn deal um, and, and Texas kind of controlling the the tv rights uh in that league and that led to all of a sudden boom you see missouri gone you see nebraska gone and um, that league fractured a bit and they said um you know we've got to uh not put any teams ahead of the league and uh you know ken ralph was one of them and trev alberts was another said hey i give a lot of credit to brian Faison. north dakota was the most profitable and powerful school in our league and Brian put that aside and said, no, we're, you know, we're, we're all equals, so to speak. And <clears throat> Notre Dame just, um, you know, they wanted their TV deal and they said, hey, 
that's that's not the principles of our league and um that's not going to work uh I'm, i can't remember if i got this in the story or not but uh ken ralph was he told me he was at a women's soccer game uh when he was the idiots see and he got a call from notre talked to him for a long time and or not a long time but talked to him and um, maybe okay. Now I'm confusing these things. Maybe he wasn't on the <laughs> soccer field, but he, I, I did too many interviews. No, he. But he talked it's to Notre Dame. Right. And they called and they gave Notre Dame a deadline and said, "This is your deadline. Uh, make a decision." And they called and asked for an extension, and the NCHC said no. Um, and then I think it was just within days they were in the in Hockey East. Hmm. I'm just kind of interested because you know the. Just to die on that hill of TV rights, you know, how is that working out for the league now? It seems like a lot of the you know teams have their own TV deals. You know, there are the games that are on the CBS um, cable station, um, and you know they split the streaming fees. It looks like across the league, but it is kind of interesting to see how TV plays into it going forward. Yeah, you know, I I think um, and the the. Streaming fees for NCHC TV, those are actually dynamic. So when you log in and buy that, you have to select what team that you support. And that's how revenues are distributed from their um, the TV deals. So that is the one thing that's not split equally. Um, but the um, revenue from the league and operations, of course, are split evenly. Uh, as for the TV deal, um, that'd be interesting to talk to, you know, some of the current ADs on w- what their thoughts are. Um, you know, they weren't part of it, so I'm sure they would be willing to be open about what their thoughts are. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think they wanted to get into it where, where they're at their conference tournament and it's, you know, the Notre Dame TV network. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just think there's some awkwardness there. And so, uh I don't know. That's a good question. I, you know, I'd be curious to hear some people who are smarter than me about that stuff uh, discuss it. Well, it's interesting to learn about the streaming deal. So, Gopher fans, <laughs> if you're buying the NCHC TV package for this game this weekend, choose your team carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe give it to Western Michigan. They, they could use it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Upgrade in the press box there. Oh boy, that that's great stuff. You know, it was a three or four part series, and I can't. Uh, it was a three part yep. series, and then uh, on the blog, I actually decided to do uh, a little background on what in, went into reporting the story, because um, I remember at that time I heard about the tension <laughs> in Florida, um, <clears throat> and then shortly after that, I had a few sources telling me, um, "Hey." These teams are looking at going into their own league. Um, And I didn't run with it right away because my original thought was that there's a chance people are purposely leaking this to me because they want me to write a story that says, hey, these teams might leave the league. And then that would scare the smaller teams into getting rid of Bruce McLeod. Yes. And, And so I said... I want to be sure that this is real and they're not just playing me here. Um, and I worked on that thing for, I mean, it was several weeks. I talked to a bunch of people and it wasn't, you know, until I think it was January or sorry, July 1st or June 30th. I finally uh, called my 
editor and layout guy and said, all right, I'm comfortable with it. Let's go with it. Um, and we rolled it out and it was, it was only almost a week later that uh, the story came out that it was uh, official. I remember, I still remember uh, getting a text that morning that said um, that it was a done deal. And it, it, it actually, you know, everyone thought that my source on it was someone from North Dakota and it, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and then I started running it by everyone, finally got a second confirmation. Um, that source told me the date and the time and the place of the press conference. And so I'm like, okay, if they have a press conference date and times, we're comfortable to roll with this. So uh, I went into the office and um, usually I just run it by my sports editor because it was such a big story. We actually had the head editor in there and reviewed my story and he said, go with it. So we went with it. So it was a long process, but yeah, I, I distinctly remember thinking that uh, I could be getting played here and I want to make sure I'm not. <laughs> this is like Watergate almost Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> Well, it no, it, it uh, is kind of, you know, you know, making sure you're getting everything right. Your sources are right. And uh, <laughs> you definitely don't want to mess it up either. So, yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes nowadays, uh, you know, press gets the, the rep that we throw on anything out there. And it's been my experience, not with just reporting the story, but, I, you know, I see our news side and all sorts of, um, you know, my friends work for newspapers and I, I chat with them a lot of times and I see the care and the um, consideration that's taken behind so many stories. And I don't think the general public realizes how seriously most reporters take that. And that's not to say we don't make mistakes. We do. Um, and we have to own up to it when we do. But most reporters I know uh, really take that seriously and go in depth into making sure they have things right. And maybe that's something we need to do a better job of um, sharing with the public all the process as we go through to reporting certain stories well it i i just thought it was a fascinating story and it you know it, it allows people to get a little different perspective on how the whole thing came about because you know here in minnesota country that you we still have so many people bitter about the whole situation and and i've always said you know it comes down to you know somebody decided to donate you know 80 90 million dollars to start a new program to expand college hockey and just that one generous thing just kind of threw everything into just chaos for a few years. It did. It, it was it was fascinating. And you know how angry the people are still here in Minnesota. You know they're not showing up because you know they complain about this and that. Big Ten teams. You know, you know. I think that a lot of that's getting pretty old. And you know, you either support the team or you don't. But uh, just this whole change it has been. It's just fascinating. You know, because we all know the WCHA was the cream of the crop. It was, I mean, you, you were there every final five. It was spectacular. Uh, we saw some historic games there in, in front of 19,000 people. It was just crazy. Um, so, no, oh, I'm hearing a little echo there. Somebody, sorry. Um, sorry, kind of threw me off. Um, so it was just, it was just the place. And obviously a lot of fans are angry. Um, I'm sure you guys had it up there even, but uh, the one advantage you guys did have in, in the NCHC was your league was really good right off the right off the bat, and they still are. Whereas, you know, on the Minnesota side, all of a sudden, you know, Minnesota was kind of dominating the league with mediocre teams because the rest of the league was terrible. But, you know, and but we've been kind of seeing it grow, get better and better and better. And Vigo, we've seen it, you know, 
Last year, three of the four teams were Big Ten. They didn't win the national championship, but, uh, you know, people just said give it time, and it has really come to fruition that these two leagues are really good, Viggs. Well, the product on the ice is really good. I'm not quite sure that the fans are ready to embrace it, but I know, <laughs> you know, expanding my coverage of college hockey the past couple of years, you just see the quality on the ice. You know, I I think Penn State is one of the funnest teams to watch, to watch in college, college hockey. hockey. Um, I think Ohio State plays a fun brand of hockey, um, you know, and there's a lot of money being poured into these teams. You know, you look at who spends the most money on men's college hockey teams, and the Big Ten is spending lots of money, and they're catching up fast. And if you look at how the conferences are doing in this non-conference play so far the last two years, and the West is winning. Yeah, I, I think there are two factors in that. Number one, I, I think it did help the NCHC teams that their schedules really weren't all that different. Like, they lost Minnesota and Wisconsin, but North mm-hmm. Dakota's still playing St. Cloud. They're still playing Duluth, CC, Denver, Omaha. They have Bemidji non-conference every year. So, like, when you looked up and down your schedule, it's like, it's really not that much different. No. Um, but I think, like you said, a, a huge factor was success. And the NCHC had it, so the fans loved it and embraced it. And the Big Ten... Um, teams are always going to be up and down. Like that's just the way um, it works. But there was this probably historical anomaly where they were those big schools were all down at the same time. Like that that may never happen again. Where you have Michigan missing the tournament three years in a row, going what like twenty six years in a row, um, twenty one. Sorry, uh, you know Minnesota. Minnesota, Wisconsin, they were really bad for a couple of years. They were. And they're a historical powerhouse. Michigan State's been bad um, <laughs> for a couple of years there, and that's a team that's historically good. And so I, I just think that, it, it, you know, I, I, if you realize how the flow works, it was never going to stay that. It, it's just bizarre that it happened all at the same time. Like, usually you would think, okay, well, Michigan and Minnesota is going to be really good, or Wisconsin and Michigan State this year is going to be really good. But, um, yeah, I, I think that really hurt the league, that it just came happened to come at that year. And had it started this year when they're all pretty good, um, maybe you'd see a different attitude from the fans. And, of course, Brad, you're not as involved as us as we are, but you know, Minnesota went through reseeding the bowl at Mariucci. They went through scholarship seating fees. Yeah. They went through price increases. You put all these things together at the same time, and you know it's just really hurt the image of the game here in Minnesota. Yeah, that's that that clearly affects it. But in the end, um, success trumps all, right? You know, if if they yes. start um, making runs at the tournament and having thirty win seasons, the fans are going to come back because fans like seeing winning teams. It's it's just as simple as that. And I don't want to say they weren't winning. I mean, they won how many conference titles in a row? Um, but, uh, you know, in the national tournament, they they had the one year, uh, the first year of the Big Ten, I think it was, right? When yep. they went to the championship game and then... Oh, uh, my my I, memory. I, I think, Everything's melding together for me these days. <laughs> that means we're getting... Yes, we are. 
Well, you know, I know we got quite a few questions from people listening here, and obviously we got to talk about the game this weekend. We haven't talked about that yet, but first we need to hear from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors, the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPL podcast, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Thanks to VintageMNHockey for that. Um, we had uh, quite a few people ask some questions for the podcast tonight. And uh, we had one asked yesterday from Sky Ura, and he wants to know, and this is, we'll put this towards you, Brad, how has the UND fan base adjusted to the loss of the rivalry with Minnesota? Is it a big deal, or is it not a big deal for them? It's a big deal to play Minnesota. Um, fans get excited for that weekend like no other. Um, they want to play them. Uh, you know, I, they would, I'm sure they would love to play them twice a year. So, um, it's, uh, it's been a loss, but, uh, you know, I, I think they've done, they've done okay. They still sell out the building all the time. And, um, but that being said, of, of course they, they want to see this game. It's, it's what college sports are all about. The big rivalries. Definitely. I am. The rivalries are great. I, I love it when they're playing against each other. It's just they, they bring out the best and worst in each other, which is great. <laughs> it's just true. I mean, you see, so accurate. you see, uh, you know, you see fans getting so rude with each other on both sides. <laughs> the players just, you know, we, you know, we have, you know, fights and tussles and it, it's just, it, it's great to watch. It's just, it's just great entertainment. And I guess the only thing for me, Viggs, is that, um, you know, one thing about playing, you know, North Dakota, St. Cloud, and we, I haven't heard from a St. Cloud person last year, like, you know, it's great playing them, but it's just not quite the same because there's no points on the line. So there's that one little thing that just will kind of always suck about this rivalry now. Yeah, it, it's different. I mean, I, it's, you're not battling for standings position. Yeah. Go ahead, Beeks. I almost think it's more important, though, right now. I mean, you look at Minnesota and the pairwise situation. You know, if they get a win this weekend over North Dakota, it basically gives them a comparison against every NCHC team the rest of the year. You know, because they're going to have a winning record against Minnesota Duluth, and if they were able to pull this game off, they'd have one over North Dakota. They win a bunch of comparisons. You know, it kind of almost gives them a little bit of bulletproofness going into the pairwise. So while fans probably say it's not for points, it's almost more important because you get less chances to move ahead of the, one of your rivals in the pairwise. You're not wrong, but I think if you went up to fans and asked them about uh, uh, comparisons and how they're structured in the pairwise, uh, <laughs> I don't think it resonates with a ton of them. They, they, they know what the pairwise is, but they don't know how it works, and... Uh, if they did, you're you're right on. It's a it's a huge game in the pairwise, but 
you know. I, I don't know. I just think fan, for fans, it's Minnesota, right? Yes. It doesn't matter about the standings. It doesn't matter about the pairwise. It's Minnesota, and they don't want to lose to Minnesota. <laughs> I know Motsko is really trying to frame these as, you know, this is a playoff series. You know, if you win this one, you get to go ahead of the other team in the standings for the rest of the year. So it's yeah. a big opportunity for them. It is. <clears throat> well, one thing that uh, I'm I, well, I'm looking forward to this weekend is just uh, it seems like these games are always played at 110 miles per hour, Vigs. I mean, it's speed, it's hitting, it's it's just fun hockey. It's not like you know, kind of you know, last you know ten years when you play when Scouts at the shutdown stuff. This is fun, entertaining hockey. Well, I think one of the things with these teams is they, they play so aggressive and they don't shy away. You know, there's no trapping. People aren't going to sit back in the neutral zone. You know, these teams want to get after it. They want to forecheck. They want to create offense. And that's one of the things that makes this game so entertaining. Um, Darren Romanco said, you know, the games against North Dakota have been some of his favorites because they're just so intense. They're such a battle. And it's just fun hockey to be a part of. And, you know, when you get the fans on top of it who are invested, you know, you got BC and St. Cloud tonight playing in front of nobody. You know, there's going to be a lot of fans <laughs> traveling to Las Vegas. They're going to be tuned up, and they're going to be ready to go. I mean, last year when the Gophers went up um, up north and, you know, they had all the signs for Middlestat, you know, that's a lot of fun for hockey fans. What makes you think the fans are going to be tuned up? <laughs> <laughs> If they're not, we'd be disappointed. Yeah, no, I'm I think expecting too. to see a bunch of uh, empty beer cups behind Moscow <laughs> at some point. When... No, I, I think to your point, and I may have said it last year, but uh, how many times have you left uh, a Minnesota-North Dakota game and said to yourself, eh, that was kind of boring? Like, it, it's just, it, it seems like they, more than any other rivalry or game, it always is built up to be so much and it so often just lives up to it. You have close games, you have combat. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're so often extremely entertaining games. Well, you you talk about rivalries and, you know, recently Minnesota has really struggled against teams like like Duluth. I mean, they hadn't beaten Duluth in in four years, but you know, one thing is even though they hadn't played North Dakota as much, it's still been a really balanced series. They sit in, they've tended, you know, since they started playing again, they've been pretty much splits, you know, you know, one win, you know, one wins there, another one's home, and it's been really good hockey. And, and another important thing is that, you know, this game could be huge at the end of the year, like V was saying with pairwise. I mean, you know, Minnesota lost out on the tournament by point zero 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 one, and you know what? North Dakota wasn't far behind that. Weren't you they were the, the next team. Yeah, they were the next team. I mean, it, it, people don't realize <laughs> it's one game. This could be huge at the end of the year, even though it's so early. But as Minnesota found out, and just you guys probably found out, you know, maybe a goal here, a goal there. And either team could have been in the tournament last year. And we were the first two teams out. Exactly. And uh, and that just shows how close it is. And the last team that got in uh, was the team that won it. So <laughs> I'm sure – both teams are thinking, man, one other game, that could have been us in that spot. You know, it's just all the margins are. And on top of the series going back and forth at times, you know, that it just seems like the games have been close, too. They've had some ties recently, and um, 
you know, I, I just think most of the games have been pretty down to the wire. Not many games after the first period you're saying, oh, well, that one's done. <laughs> Not many. And even even though even some of them have been, you know, you know, North Dakota in the final, final five, you know, came back, roaring back after being went down three zip and one six three. Um, we but that was a fun game. You know, Minnesota lost four nothing last year up there. You know, and then Minnesota beat them in a in a regional final, like five to one. So there's a couple of these games that have been, you know, a, you know, a little bit of a blowout, but they never felt that way because there's always the intensity there. There's never like, ah, uh, this game's over because you just yeah. never know with these two teams. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, that's what makes the rivalry good, and that's why you know North Dakota can sell tickets for ninety nine dollars a pop and sell it out in a half a second. So, um, <laughs> so love love this game. Now you did. You've been, uh, go ahead. I heard please. you talking to Gopher State this week, and uh, I I heard a comment you said that the North Dakota guys were regretting they didn't book T Mobile uh, after the game sold out so quickly. Well, I think so. You know, I, I think I talked to someone. So UND played at uh, Madison Square Garden two years ago. And I want to say tickets went on, was it right before? I think it was right after that. I think it was right after. Yes, it was right after that. Because I remember walking out of Madison Square Garden um, with someone affiliated with the university. And... They said something like, I, I remember the, the, the Madison Square Garden game was did terrific. They, they drew like 8,000 fans from Grand Forks. And I said, the Vegas game is going to be even bigger than this. Like, th- that's going to, you know. And he kind of, you know, grimaced and said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it probably would have. you guys could have sold them. Yeah, you, you probably could have sold out to that arena, but the thing is, one thing with this is, um, if you would have gone to T-Mobile, it would have given Minnesota a l- their fans a little more chance to play, you know, to come. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think they would have been completely okay with that. I, I think what happened is T-Mobile, obviously, to the money that requires to reserve T-Mobile is a lot of money. Um, the Orleans Arena gave them a fantastic deal. Uh, obviously, the teams are staying there. They probably got, you know, free or cheap rooms. And they looked at the financial package and said, look, this is a guaranteed success. Mm-hmm. We are guaranteed to make X amount of money on this. T-Mobile was more of a, I don't know, um, <laughs> it, it, if they had sold 11,000 tickets for it, it would have been less profitable than Orleans Arena. Um had they sold it out, yeah, they would have been fine. And I think that was the balance. Like, you know, can we sell it out? And I think what they saw in New York was when they realized, yeah, we could have sold it out. Mm-hmm. And um, But they had already signed the deal, and, you know, that's <laughs> that's that. And they're at Orleans, and um, now they're currently working on finalizing their next game, and that's going to be in 2020 and nothing's signed yet but it'll almost surely be penn state in nashville and that one will be at the big rink so uh, maybe made a little bit of an adjustment there i hear nashville is this... a spectacular town too 
Yeah. Is this a one game shot just because it's the Hall of Fame game and they didn't want to try to do another one or do, do you it's, know any of the background on that? Yep, it, it's the Hall of Fame game. So uh, it's an exempt game for both both and an extra game. So that's uh that is the background on uh why it's just a one game deal. Both guys should have scheduled Alaska so they could get <laughs> extra games. <Yeah. laughs> well, I, I know North Dakota coaches both Haxtell and Barry love the exempt games. I, I think the last time you and he didn't have an exempt game, you probably have to go back to the 90s. Oh, the yeah, I think Don Lucia yeah. has pursued that just yeah. as hard. Yep, yep. He has a lot of uh, icebreakers and Hall of Fame games. So Yes. Well, let's, let's head up a few more questions from, the, uh, from Twitter here. Um, we've got uh, Mark Sund wants to know, what's the biggest reason for the slow start for the for UND, uh, is there a consensus uh, uh, on the job um, that Barry's doing so far? Well, for the slow start, I, I think that's um, like I was saying earlier. That's that's what we're not sure about because the first weekend it was because they couldn't score. The second weekend they lost a game because they couldn't defend. Yeah. So it's been a different culprit for both games. Um, you know, as far as the job Barry's doing. You know, he's uh, he's been here three years. Uh, they won a national championship in one of them. You know, I think fans are uh, okay with him. And uh, the other thing that fans are pretty excited about is the, the recruits they've lined up to come in. Um, they, I think they, they could have eight guys drafted next year. So, um, you know, they, they had a down year last year, missed the tournament. But I, I think the fans see the, the pipeline of guys guys coming in kind of starting with this class too uh their freshman it's going to take them a little time but you know jasper weatherby is a really good player um gavin haynes a really good player jacob bernard docker on d is a first round pick johnny taconic is a second round pick so they have a good base here and and they're going to keep building that with the next uh, couple recruiting classes okay alex carew wants to know uh, well, this is a great question for anybody, but what's your favorite moment between the two schools? And maybe what's the best fight you remember between the two schools? Uh, Viggs, let's start with you. What's your favorite moment? Uh, it's Wheeler's diving goal, you know, just out of nowhere. You know, that that goal was a huge surprise and a fun moment for the Gophers, especially the way Wheeler reacted right after he scored. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, th- those whole two weeks was two amazing games, two overtime games. You know, one played at the X with 19,000. And then, you know, the next week, Brad, they went to Pepsi Arena and played another great game in front of not very many people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that that couple of weeks there does stand out because both those teams were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of talents. They played great game. Um, man, this is such a tough question. I mean... My uh, the first time I covered a UND Minnesota game, I believe was the 2004 Final Five. Okay, and that okay. was like five to four, and it was Bochinski and Parisi going back and forth with Vanek and Grant Patalny, and that was just an amazing game. Um, you know, I I saw the the Wheeler Chris Porter. Evan Trump, point six. Um, <laughs> the the comeback, the Hackstall timeout. Um, I always think it's funny. I, all I need to do is say one name, 
in <laughs> one word, and everyone knows what you're talking about. You are right. That, you know, um, and that's that's the. Uh, I guess that's what rivalries are made of when when we can say one word, and everyone knows exactly what game you're talking about. All I remember about the Wheeler thing is that I missed the photo vigs. <laughs> I missed the photo because I was right behind the net. I was right there. And every time I see that highlight, I see myself missing the shot. <laughs> and it's, it's, I, I, you know, even Minnesota's intro video, they show that goal this year. And the, the, the view they show from Wheeler is from the ice level. And I see myself in the background. I'm going, how did I miss that photo? <laughs> and, I, and the thing is, mo- most photographers didn't get it either. Nobody got it. They got the celebration, yeah. but uh, I think one person from from maybe the the audience or the fans actually got the shot. But uh, I, I'll never forget that because I missed the shot and I'm still pissed off about it. So amateur, well, I was, I was <laughs> so I missed it too. I uh, back then this is how old we all are. Um, <laughs> the XL Energy Center didn't have Wi-Fi in the press box. You had to pay like an that's right ridiculous amount so um that's how i got to know all the photogs because i was the one writer that would run into the photog room at the xl center and plug in because some of those hard lines were live yes they and are it from there some of the photogs still give me crap about that <laughs> uh, i got to know jim rosvold really well down there um a wonderful guy so that that's actually how i really got to know him but um, our sports editor said, no, we never got your story. Cause I had to file one at the end of regulation for our first edition. Oh boy. Said, well, well, crap. I got to run down there and resend it. And <laughs> you know how you hit the basement, the doors opened up and you know, how there's that TV to the right. All, yep. all I saw was Minnesota celebrating. Oh. So I'm like, okay, well <laughs> something happened. <laughs> the game's over. But so I never saw the goal. I was in the elevator during that. So, uh, you might have thought you missed it, but I really missed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it happened right in front of me. I saw it great. I just, I just missed <laughs> the photo, and 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 I think that's the one part that you know Minnesota fans and North Dakota fans are always going to miss is that kind of potential at a Final Five because that crowd was electric that night. I mean, you had nineteen thousand at the time. It was the largest crowd that had ever been to the X. Yes. And and you you <laughs> that had, was the lead of my story. <laughs> yeah, it was the largest crowd ever at that place, and you know you probably had you know <laughs> you had ten thousand Minnesota fans and about nine thousand North Dakota fans. It was that balanced, and and then just a look at everyone's face, you know, when it when that goal happened, you're like, did this just happen? It it was just it was just a crazy night, and it was a fun night, obviously for Minnesota fans. But all in all, it was just that was kind of the height of the WCHA Final Five right there. Those kind of mid two thousand years where you know, you, there was just some incredible battles, and um, we're going to miss that. But we just kind of have to start a new history, King. It's just, it's just the the winds of change. Yeah. Sorry, Mote, that's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're Mo- we're going to be the the grandpas in several years telling their grandkids. When uh, they bring college hockey stories, I'll tell you about the time when North Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin <laughs> all got in the same building. It's, oh. it's probably going to be about twenty five thousand people by then. Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> it was a good time. And, and the funny thing is, is that quite a few times, you know, 
the teams played again like a week later in, in yeah. a regional in a regional at the X, but it was still it was half full. Yeah. So many fans, but you know the final five weekend was their weekend. Mm-hmm. They took they, they took it off from work. They all came down. Yeah, and that's why yeah. it was so successful, and that's why people loved it so much. Um, and then you know <laughs> they were all out of money for the regional. They didn't have money for the regional the next week, so yeah. um, a lot of times they didn't travel as much, and that's why you know you see. And almost, it was, you know, how empty was Pepsi Center for that game the next week? Maybe a quarter full? It was yeah, pretty thin. I'm trying to remember, but yeah. Um, and I think that's right. I think people plan their years around that, that they were going to go to uh, the final five. And then a lot of times they said about the regionals, well, I'll wait and see if they win. If they win, I'll go to the Frozen Four. Um, but <laughs> you know. True. So well, North Dakota did such a good job of having all their alumni <laughs> events during the final five and, you know, St. Patty's day often would fall that weekend. It was just, no, don't remind know? me. Don't <laughs> remind me. You couldn't lose. I, yeah, I, I couldn't handle all the leprechauns in downtown St. Paul. Like, um, yeah, trying to get around down there, trying not to step and vomit on the street. That's one thing I don't miss. <laughs> was St. Patrick's Day down there. It, it, it was a bit crazy. Well, well, guys, we need to talk about the actual game this weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, heard, we've talked about so many great things already, but uh, Viggs, there's an actual game that's being played at 9 p.m. this Saturday night against the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. I know you probably hate that, Brad, but we're just going to Yeah, I don't go care. Is there a name? <laughs> uh, Viggs, give me your thoughts here. What's going to happen? Well, I think you're going to see Minnesota play a patient opening 10 minutes. You know, it's going to be a, a change of pace for them having these two weeks of exhibitions and then trying to find their footing right away. And you know North Dakota is going to come right away. Uh, if anybody watched the first couple of minutes of the Minnesota State Series, you know, North Dakota comes out fast, and they're going to bring two guys on the forecheck, and they're going to go to the strong side, and they're going to test you to see where you're at. So I think it's a big test uh, for Minnesota's young defensemen to see how they can play and move the puck. Uh, I don't think Minnesota Duluth did a great job challenging them in the opening weekend. Um, so we'll see. You know, that's the big question mark for me. And um, you know, obviously seeing North Dakota's struggle on the penalty kill, you know, that's something where Minnesota is starting to look dangerous there. You know, Clayton Phillips looks like a changed person this year, much more confident. Uh, and then they've got some shooters this year on the on the flanks, so it'll be a good matchup there too. When did you arrive in Vegas? Yesterday, the day before? Yeah, I came yesterday, so I could uh, I went and covered the uh, Golden Knights and Canucks game with Troy Stetcher and Brock Besser there. Mm-hmm. And uh, lost any money yet? <laughs> you know, honestly, I have been working the entire time I've been here. So tonight will be the first time I actually go and see something. So um, <laughs> I will try to lose. I will try not to lose too much tonight, but I'll lose a little bit tonight. <laughs> now let's hear the North Dakota perspective on the actual game here. Um, yeah. What does North Dakota need to do? Because you know Minnesota's. You know they had a good early time, but you know North Dakota I think really needs to kind of take advantage of Minnesota playing exhibitions for most of the month. Yeah, you know, it, it's tough to say because I just don't have a feel on this team yet. Um, you know, I, I still think 
Offense is their biggest question mark. I think North Dakota has really, in the series against Minnesota State, they had great scoring from their depth, which is really key for them. You know, right now, Nick Jones doesn't have a goal yet this season. Rhett Gardner doesn't have a goal. Jasper Weatherby doesn't have a goal. Um, you know, so I, I think that when you look at it, they've got good depth scoring. They need a little bit from those top guys. They need to defend a whole lot better than they did against Minnesota State. Their goaltending needs to be much better. I think that's probably the biggest key from North Dakota's perspective. Their goaltenders are going to be um, more than they've been tested in any time this year, probably. And they need to be able to answer the bell because unless you have good goaltending, you're not going to have a chance to win this game. Uh, and Minnesota's had it this year. North Dakota's needs to be better. Well, speaking of goaltenders, I think we're going to see uh, Robson uh, this weekend, Viggs. He seems to be yeah. a little more favored than than Shearhorn right now with Matsko. Yeah, Robson's the guy, unless he has an off night. You know, I think he's going to start most Fridays. And when he plays well, he'll get the next game um, between the pipes. He's just a solid goaltender, and he's playing really well right now. You know, he's big, he's athletic, um, showed pretty good uh, – vision and traffic, you know, picking up rebounds and things like that. Uh, I think he probably gives them the best chance to win right away. And Brad, this is definitely going to be a hostile crowd. And I know you've been doing kind of a map of people who's traveling from across the country and sometimes some international locations, but uh, I've been, I'm hearing some people are still trying to sell these tickets and they're selling them for a lot of money here. Um, are there a chance we're going to see quite a few empty seats for people who couldn't, you know, tried to maybe make a buck off this and, uh, didn't feel like uh, traveling to Vegas because, you know, I've been seeing it, you know, on, on the Sioux message boards and everywhere else, you know, all of a sudden those, those plane ticket prices went way up and uh, yeah. it, a lot of people were trying to take advantage or gouge this weekend, especially for the North Dakota fans. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to see many empty seats though. Uh, I think there are even a bunch of people who plan to travel down here without even going to the game. Um, mm-hmm. They're just people who decide let's make, our Vegas trip this weekend, go party with UND fans before and after the game. And so I, I think there's enough of those people that will probably snatch up those tickets. But there are some people that are starting to sell. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll go rather quickly. I, I, saw some yeah, I looked at StubHub today and I only saw about 50 tickets. So no, I think there's going to be a lot of fans there. You know, a lot of people were saying, you know, earlier people were saying some of those StubHub tickets were $1,200. Yeah. Yeah, for a one uh, a one game early in the season, twelve hundred dollars, folks. Come on, yes. this is that's college hockey. Price. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's this rivalry, though. You know, and, and obviously in Vegas, I think everyone wants an excuse to go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I guess Vegas is not my thing, but that's just me. Um, you know, one question we did have earlier Vegas, is a. Uh, there's actually Vegas odds for this game. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Minnesota's <laughs> the favorite. Um, and I'm guessing those odds are going to change here because <laughs> it's at the hotel where all the UND people are staying. The UND people are going to pump that bet, um, and they're all going to bet on UND. And so I'm, I'm guessing the odds will shift uh, a little bit here with the action getting heavy on one side. Yeah, we had one of our listeners asking about that, you know, 
what do I, North Dakota plus 250, Minnesota minus 300. And uh, Viggs, I know you love to follow these things. Usually it's the offshore stuff. Mm-hmm. This is actually yeah, legitimate I Vegas seen, here. Uh, offshore line yet they'll probably wait till saturday to post it i don't think the spread will be quite as big as the one that uh the orleans here is showing um you know this is probably going to be more of a a pick-em type game you know i i think minnesota could probably stay as a slight favorite um probably something more like minus 150 or minus 160 is what i would think it'll get to you know honestly i'm seeing a tie Saturday night, guys. <laughs> I, I don't think anything's going to be solved. You know, and, and, a tie is just going to throw a, a wrench, a monkey wrench, into the whole pairwise thing later on. I think, guys. Yeah, um, I mean, considering the last few years they've had a couple ties in there, it wouldn't be a, a shocker if, if that were the case. I don't think. I, I have no idea what to expect, honestly. Like, I don't have a pulse <laughs> on this U and D team yet. I just don't. Um, and I think it's the same here on the Minnesota side. You know, we, we was, yeah. you know, it was a good week, opening weekend against Duluth with the, the, the tie up there and the win down here. But like you said, they've played two exhibition games. They've played a lot of players. And, and, and Viggs and I, you know, like we've been saying, the speed limit goes up this weekend, Viggs. Yeah, it sure does. You know, there's going to be no place to hide when the puck drops on Saturday night. I do think Minnesota's forwards are a huge strength for them right now. I think if the game is at all kind of sloppy, I think that's going to stand out. Um, we've seen so many guys on the Gophers right now who can shoot the puck. Uh, Ranta has just a, a great shot. He hides it well. Um, the goalies haven't been able to pick it up. Uh, Rem Pitlick is probably one of the best practice players I've ever seen. You know, If he gets a one-on-one situation and, and the gap isn't right by the defenseman or the forward checking him, you know, he, he's pretty deadly. Um, Tyler Sheehy looks healthy. Um, he's got some good jump, and he's been, you know, around the net on the power play, which is where he's most comfortable. Um, Tommy Novak looks healthy distributing the puck. Um, so I, I think Minnesota's got some talent up front. So if this game kind of opens up a little bit, you know, I think they're going to be able to get some goals. And hearing Brad talk about, you know, where's North Dakota's offense going to come from, you know, that probably weighs in the Gophers' favor a little bit. Yeah, I, I think North Dakota would prefer this be a low, a low scoring game. If it if it gets into a shootout, uh, that's that's not what North Dakota wants to have happen. Um, they want to. I, I would guess they want it to be a tight checking game, not a lot of time and space out there, um, in in that type of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking forward to you know seeing the games. Well, obviously a lot of people in the cities can't see the games and, you know, we've gone through all of that. And I know people really complain here in Minnesota. It's like, Oh, please shut up. They don't understand how, how TV works anymore. And, uh, and I don't blame, uh, Midco one bit for wanting to hang on to this as much as they can, because it's, it's revenue for them. And, uh, it's, 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 it's a big deal. So, uh, you know, go to Joe Sensor's people. You know, and be there with all the other North Dakota fans, and uh, trust me, it's fun when you go to Sensor's with all the North Dakota fans there. <laughs> because, or because, get yeah. the, the stream on NCHC TV. They have a great stream. I I invested for the month uh, so I could get the Duluth games and watch the North Dakota Minnesota State games, and you know, just choose your favorite team carefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that works. It's I don't know if it's the same for the single game or what. Um, so, uh, yeah, you might be out of luck there, Viggs. 
You might have to go to a bar. No, I'll be I'll be watching on the stream. It'll it'll be good. <laughs> well, Brad, thanks for coming on again on the podcast. You were with us last year, and we appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, uh, we always follow your work up there on the Grand Forks Herald. And uh, I, I tell you that that series about the NCHC and how it became uh, a league it was just fascinating for me, and it was it was really great stuff. Yeah, thanks for plugging it, and uh, always good to chat with you guys. And obviously, we'll see uh, each other for the next four years with uh, <laughs> the series being uh, yeah. renewed long term. And you know, I know uh, Bob Motsko and Brad Barry are pretty close, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes beyond those four years. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either. And you know, like you said, there is that new four-year contract that kicks off next year. You know, it's two in Minnesota, two in North Dakota, two in Minnesota, two in North Dakota. So four straight years of uh, Home and home hockey, and it's going to be just fabulous, which is, is what we're all looking forward to. Well, thanks, Brad, for coming on. Remember, you, you can follow Brad on uh, Twitter at SchlossmannGF, and you just find him on the Grand Forks Herald website if you want to. Um, Viggs, are you working on anything for The Athletic uh, recently? Yeah, I've got something coming on uh, the Gopher defensemen, how they're adjusting to college hockey, a little bit about how they uh, – decided to, to go from high school to college or high school to junior and junior to college and a little bit about college recruiting. So look for that uh, here pretty soon. All right. And you remember, you can follow Vigo on uh, Twitter at EVigo. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to be on Thursday again next week because, you know, it's tough doing it on uh, on, on Halloween. I know Vigs, you got the kids and and we'll have people coming to my door, and I'm like, we'll just move it out to Thursday. So we're going to do it Thursday next week, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll recap the North Dakota game, and then we'll talk about the the new Mankato series coming up. You know, home and home with Mankato. Um, beyond that, if you're listening live, we'll have a bit of overtime coming up. But otherwise, thanks for listening. <laughs>